pray real quick. Can we pray real quick? Shh. Is it funny? Amen. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for the class. Thank you for just letting us come out in the church. We can come out into it in the heat. And, and Lord, thank you most of all for our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Bible and all the men and women down through time, Lord, that had uh, pieces and parts of putting this thing together. Uh, Lord, that we can sit here today and look at. Thank you for the, uh, our brother Paul, Lord, who wrote some, as Peter said, some really hard things. Uh, but, Lord, uh, he made them as easy uh, as, as he possibly could to understand. A little, as you said, studies to show thyself approved unto God. And, Lord, the moment we do that, Lord, our, everything just starts changing. Thank you for your blessings. Bless the class tonight. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what you're going to find out is all everything ties in together. It keeps tying in together. I guess I better do this or David's going to get mad at me. I think everything ties together. It never stops tying together. Is this on? Amen. All right. Uh, it all ties together. You can't get away from the interconnectivity. Uh, if the Lord is the same today as he was yesterday as he'll be in the future, then there's, there's, he's no different than he was in, the, uh, in eternity past as he is in eternity future. We just see him a little bit different down through there. And in our perception, we're three-dimensional creatures, and he is not three-dimensional by any means. So let me get to uh, uh, Romans chapter 3. We'll go back to Romans chapter 3. I, I finished up last week. We talked about uh, spiritual circumcision, uh, which is a circumcision of a man is the foreskin of his, uh, is cut off, and it's not something that's really pleasant. But uh, the world's trying to get rid of that right now because it is a, it is a Jewish Christian thing, a Judo Christian thing. Uh, and they're trying to get rid of it because they say it doesn't really have any, any purpose in life, and it probably doesn't anymore. Uh, well, it does. It's cleanliness, but in, in the world, it, uh, it probably, they're trying to say it doesn't, like your, like your gallbladder, it doesn't have anything to do with anything anyways, until you, they say your gallbladder don't have, uh, you have no purpose of your gallbladder. You ever hear that? Your gallbladder has no purpose. It's just one of those appendages that was always there. Yet, they told John, don't worry about it. Uh, when we take the gallbladder out, your liver will take over. Wait a second. Why did the liver take over? I mean, did the liver, how did the liver know that it needed to take over because there was something the gallbladder must have been doing that the liver, anyways. So as you get into this, uh, spiritual circumcision is our body, uh, when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, here, here's the problem. Here's, here's where the whole problem comes. And I was sitting here listening to the conversation you and Joe had, which is true. Eve, when Satan came and said, uh, yea, hath God said, right then and what there, she should have got it and walked away. Because she, what, that once you start carrying the conversation any further past that, then there's a danger that you're, you're going to get tempted and get in trouble. Uh, if you already know what God said, and he said, don't do it, then go back, go back to Genesis chapter 3 real quick. And that goes right with what we're going to get ready to teach, and I'm going to teach on sanctification. Uh, it goes right with that. Uh, brother, I'm telling you, the more I read my Bible, there's no way you can get out of it anywhere in the Bible. It's a simple... It's as simple as it could be. God uses some strange people in the Bible, uh, and he'll use you. He'll use me. He'll use anybody that wants to be used, and it's all desire. It's, it's what do I want? Do I want to spend my life in this world, my little short 66, 70 years, about me, or do I want something greater than me? That's, that's the whole key to this whole thing. The Lord says, I'm offering you something greater than you, but you've got to get out of you to get it. And uh, the problem is, is well, but i got to... I got you hear me talk about sports or games or this. And there's so much stuff in this world. Man, I can this building could eat my life. And I, you can say, well, you spent all your time working on the building. I had somebody today tell me, he said, don't you hunt? I said, no. 
do you work on cars? I said, well, only when they break. He goes, do you bowl or do, I said, no, no. He goes, man, you're boring. I said, yeah, I am, man. I said, where in the world do you find time? I said, Lord, I've got to do this, 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 this. And, I, you know, I'll sit down and do my Bible study and, and I'll play a game of solitaire. I, I, I confess. I confess. I've, Microsoft solitaire, there's like four different ones, and I play them. And I'm up to like 138, the level, 138 on all of them. So that tells you I've been doing it for a while. It's bad. It's bad. I'm, I'm totally addicted. But, uh, you know, that's, you blow your brains out right there and let, let your brain just calm down just a hair there. But that's been over a year. That wasn't like last night where I was zero and then I got up there. But <laughs> it's been a while. Been a while. Uh, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said uh, unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So what, what she did, God already said, don't eat of this tree. He already said that. So when you read your Bible, what you do is you get some basic baseline things. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Well, God's already said, so there should be no room for even discussion at this point. When, when Eve started discussing it with Satan, there's where the problem come in. Because you're not going to be able to outsmart him. Back to Romans. You're not going to be able to outsmart him. So, and I can't outsmart him. And I'm learning the only thing I can do is trust God. I know, I know the Lord can do some of the craziest things you've ever seen. I watched him do it for 43 years. And I know what I want all the time. It may be, the Lord says, maybe, or later, or something else, but right now, no. Okay, then I, I said, Lord, but, but he goes, no, you got to separate that flesh. So spiritual circumcision, you got to, Eve, when she ate that fruit, he said, in the day you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. And I've asked people this before, and, and people sit there and say, well, I don't believe in eternal security. Stop, okay, you shall surely die. I said, what died? Did Eve die that day? He goes, well, no. Or they'll go, no. She'll say no, or he'll say no, or whatever. I said, well, then what happened? They've never learned about spiritual circumcision. They've never learned about the body, soul, and spirit. So they, Larkin, if you pull up Larkin's book, he has body, soul, and spirit in there. Uh, some basic, simple things in our lives. What happened? What happened to get you and me where we're at right now? What happened? Something happened. Well, you have to go back. And I always go back. And that's like the, uh, evolution. They say, uh, I believe in evolution. Okay, uh, how did you get here? Well, I, mean, I came from a monkey. Okay, let's stop right there. Where did the monkey come from? I have to go back to the next step. Well, the monkey came from an amoeba. Where did the amoeba come from? Well, the amoeba came from a, a cesspool of water out there, and, and lightning hit the water. Where did the water come from? I thought it was a molten blob of lava coming off the planet, sun, and just happened to stop. Asteroids don't stop. Why would the Earth stop? But it did. Let's just say it did. But where did the water come from? Well, it cooled down. Fine. Mars don't have no water on it, and the moon don't have no water on it. How, how come the earth got water on it? And so you have to take it back. So same thing with the Bible. Lord expects you to think he gave you that gray matter. You stop and say, okay, how did I get in this mess? And you take that thing all the way back to Eve. And Eve had an opportunity to walk away from Satan and not touch one thing in the garden. That's all she had to do. She didn't want to do that. Well, that means that if he said he created her in, in Hebrews chapter 1, we were made in his image and his likeness, so that means you got at least two right there. So if he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, that's two. It's actually three, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The Father is, is uh, the, Jesus is what we see. The Holy Spirit is, is the essence and, the, the, and God is the invisible part. I don't know how you're going to line all three of those things up. I, when I get to heaven, I really want to meet all three and one, one and three, and, 
and the one in the middle died for me. I have no idea how he figured all that out, but he said that's I, we're all three one. So I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to buy that. Well, then he made me with a body and a soul and a spirit. The body's what you see. The soul is the inner part and the spirit, the Holy Spirit is sitting there. So you got the, the same thing that God had sitting right here. Well, when they died, when she died, she, her spirit died and she had a body and a soul and she just continued on. She, her fellowship, what died was the fellowship between her and God. And when Adam ate that fruit, the fellowship between him and God died. Now, we went 4,000 years with no fellowship and he talked to him and David said, take not that spirit from me. So you could get it and you could lose it. Uh, Saul, it came on and off, on and off. So when you got to spiritual circumcision, what happened is when a person trusts Jesus Christ, uh, John chapter 3, uh, Nicodemus, the, the Holy Spirit comes back into that person and revives, regenerates. That's one of the words we looked at. Regenerates my dead spirit. That's why when you, you look at somebody and they say, I'm saved. I'm like, first of all, why are you so bitter? about that. If you're saved, shouldn't you be happy about that? I would think you would be happy about that. I've said, I've never, I'm saved. What are you asking me? I'm saved. What are you asking me that for? I've never done that. I've been saved 43 years and not once. I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, I cannot think of ever doing it. I mean, I may have responded a little different in sometimes, but nothing like that. I mean, some people get really offended, like, like you're saying I'm lost. Well, maybe you are. Have you ever thought maybe, maybe you just you did so. How could you get regenerated and not know it? So, when and, and spiritual circumcision is the act of the regeneration of your spirit. It's the spirit coming back. It was, it's what happens at that point. The Lord takes and brings your spirit back to life. Now you're three again. He ties the spirit and the soul together, and he cuts the flesh away from the, the spirit and the soul away from the body. Before that, when Eve ate, the body and soul were one thing. He that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Well, anything a man did or lady did back in then, and this goes to answer your question, it transferred from here to there. Now, you'll like this one. When you got spiritually circumcised, when you got saved, regenerated, he brought your spirit back to life. He moved this over to this side, cut this away. Now your flesh is sitting here, and this is sitting here, but it's sealed until the day of redemption. And like it says over in 1 John, you cannot sin again. There is never sin attributed to you ever again. In the, in the spirit. So when you get to heaven, you're just as clean as a whistle. But he says, at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to have to answer what you did in the flesh. So now, now, this thing right here, and we're going to get into sanctification here in just a second. This is where the problem lies with all of us. Right here. If you're, let me, are you saved? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, are you saved? Saved, 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 saved. Saved, saved, saved. This is where we're at. And it ain't a Spock. <laughs> it is, it, you're, you're sitting here, and I'm going to act like one of them's the body and soul, or the, yeah, the, spirit and, and the, the spirit and soul and the body. You're, you're a new man and an old man. And your old man is always going to try to do what it wants to do. And the day you got saved was sanctification part A. So I, that's what I got right here. Sanctification part A. Uh, we were adopted, Ephesians, right before that, it's adopted. Uh, I was circumcised. Uh, Paul, man, I, I was just, I got some stuff I was going through Corinthians. Just, oh, I got to stop. I'll just, I'll go, I'll digress and I'll move on. Spiritual circumcision. Has anybody got any questions about the building? Just, I don't know if anything. 
If nothing, okay, because I know some people sometimes say, what's going on? And I don't want you all to sit there the whole time and go, I sure would like to know what's going on over there. Uh, I will tell you next week or two. All right, so, so, 2 Thessalonians 2. We're going to go there and we're going to look at sanctification. This is where most Christians never or fail or they never get past. You're going to read that prayer book. I told you about that prayer book. Uh, this is what will hinder a lot of people from prayer uh, because they're always at a point where they think they're failing. I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. And they, and they don't get, get this thing. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says this. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you unto salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. So uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God and raise him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So Paul's talking right here through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. So there was a point, there was a point that you were sanctified or you're lost. It's just that simple. You either were or you were not. If you got sanctified, you were, okay, Hebrews 10, 14. Catch the word. It's in present tense. It's like right now. This is what happened uh, to you right now. 10.14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You want a good eternal security verse? Boy, there is one right there. Now, if you get a, ever get a hold of sanctification, you got it. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, and, and after that, he, uh, he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with him. So the Holy Spirit comes in. God, God comes in the moment I get saved, and I'm done. Uh, Corinthians 127. Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 127. All the verses are right there, but we need to look at them in the Bible, make sure they're there, that we didn't make this up, and we just didn't copy it. Again, like I said last night, those prayer books, if you get one, uh, do you, brother, you got a copy of that, the prayer book? Okay, so you get it through class. Now, did he make you read that year one? I didn't have it because I did the, I did the one-year program. Okay. Before, but I bought it when I saw it was one of the books and sat on my shelf for three years. Amen, amen. Hey, but then you read it? I'm reading it now. Okay, good job. Brother, I waited 20, 43 years to read it. <laughs> I, had the, I mean, I can still see, see the mission of the... Uh, the uh, uh, Siemens mission in France that I went into, and he had all the books in separate books. And they were the little cheap paperback books, you know, back in them days. And I, can, I remember going in there, and he just loaded me up with all that stuff, and I never read a single one of them, man. Not a single one. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, you think you can sleep on it at night and get it. So 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And, and base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, all things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So redemption comes through Christ. I get redeemed. Sanctification comes through Christ. I get that. I got that. But, but some people think, well, uh, 
then you can, if you can lose your sanctification, you can lose your salvation. But you gotta gotta catch which sanctification you're talking about. Uh, sanctifi- I, I always call it that's my, my phrase, sanctification part A and sanctification part B. First Corinthians six nine. That's my favorite chapter, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I, I remember when I read that, and, and I, I, I like that very first couple of verses. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to the law before the unjust and not before the saints? So that means I should be able to take what I have if I have an issue and go before some saints. I should be able to find some saints somewhere, and I don't have to go to the Catholic Church in Rome to do it. Uh, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Okay, so they're going to judge the world. And if the world shall be judged by you, right then and there, that guy, St. Michael, man. I'm St. Michael. St. Michael. St. Rich. That's what you are, man. I mean, that's, I, he's, I got a message called, he said it, I didn't. And I go through a bunch of things like that. He says, I said, I didn't say that. He said that. This is what I am. And I am that right now. And you know what will hinder you? Devil will get in here and tell you that you're worthless, which we are, uh, that we're no good. Yeah, he's pretty much. That we're wicked devils. Yeah, yeah, I got that, man. He goes, but I'm still a saint. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? You know what he'll do? He'll leave. Anyways, let's go on down to, I just love this. I love this thing, man. It's the greatest book in the whole world. Uh, down to uh, verse 9. He goes, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So the difference, and that's what uh, Joe got, uh, thank God he got. I'm going to get that in my head one of these days. I don't know why I keep forgetting that one. But Dr. Ruckman was the one who brought the King James Bible to the surface. Before Peter S. Ruckman, and a lot of people don't know that. They'll just say, oh, he was married three times. That's because you're a moron, not you guys, but whoever says that. Uh, they don't really stop and realize David committed adultery and killed a man, and God still, he still was after his own heart. So God can still use you if you mess up, okay? That's a good thing to know. So uh, Doc even sit in class and told us he messed up. But however, comma, he, uh, the King James Bible, the Lord put that on his back, and Bob Jones Sr., senior, senior, I mean, the old man Bob used to write him letters all the time. Doc read him in class to us down there. He said, Brother Pete, man, you need to calm down about this thing about the King James Bible because back then it wasn't that big of an issue. They, the King James was always the monarch of books. It was the, like the, the one you went back to. If you look at every other Bible, it's all, it's all mirrored to that one. Uh, if they're going to take verses in or out, they take the verses in or out compared to that one. Uh, so if verse 12 goes away in a particular chapter, the ver- number's still there because it matches, still matches that one. Uh, so nobody had a problem with that one, but they thought, oh, well, look, all these other scholars, scholarly scholars, they, they have a different viewpoint, and, and we can understand the Scriptures just a hair more, maybe better than uh, the King James. And that's a lie. The problem is, is somebody's just trying to lie to you. But, but he brought that to the surface, and then salvation, eternal security, he brought that to the surface. Uh, because back then a lot of people thought you could lose your salvation or, or you weren't saved and then they'd try to get you to re- retread you. But then the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of heaven. So when you read your Bible, just because you read kingdom of God does not mean it's the kingdom of heaven. And when you read kingdom of heaven, it does not mean it's the kingdom of God. So he's sitting here talking in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so that means if you mess up and you're unrighteous, you're done. You're toast, right? Wrong. Uh, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor uh, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, queers, faggots, uh, transgenders, that's all them guys, Uh, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor, uh, and (laughs) you start looking at this thing, Lord, somewhere in there, you're there. If you're not there, you're a liar. (laughs) Nor revelers, nor extortioners shall enter the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Well, if I was that at one time, but now you are washed, but you are sanctified. So there's something that happened to me 
that, that took me out of this crowd, and I cannot be that anymore. I cannot be unrighteous uh, to the point where I cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Otherwise, I could lose my salvation. I cannot lose my salvation. It cannot be lost. So there's something he's trying to show me here. And Paul, you would think Paul would sit down and do what we're doing here and make it real plain. Well, you'd have books that would cover that whole wall if he did that. So what he does, he depends on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be shamed. He puts the stuff here and then he expects you to have, and I talked about this, the desire to find it. He's, well, he's checking you out is what he's doing. If a person wants it, Guess what the Lord will do? Brother's over in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And the Lord just started changing everything, and he, and he sells his whole house. Did you think he was crazy when he did that? A little, maybe? Oh, really? That's a blessing. And when you sit there and look at it and say, what am I doing? And it's the Holy Spirit. So you got to trust the Holy Spirit to do some things. And what we'll do sometimes is we'll say, but, but God, no, God can handle any problem we ever get. Sanctification was something that occurred. So if you separate that thing into two things, and I'm going to get into a little bit more of that here in a minute. If you separate into two things, at salvation, the moment a person gets saved, the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get justification, you get redemption. Uh, the propitiation for your sin was paid. Jesus was that. He, he did that for you. Your sins are, are paid for. They're remitted. Uh, you get expi expiation. <clears throat> it's purged away. God don't care about it no more. The atonement was there. Imputation was there. Uh, regeneration occurred. He's, man, you talk about getting confused. That's a wonder. That's a wonder anybody could even stand up after this happens to them. Uh, regeneration in, in heaven, all this stuff happens to you, and you, you're sitting there thinking, what just happened, man? I feel good about myself. I, I like it when somebody said that uh, they get saved and their life starts changing. I mean, that, three weeks after I got saved, I was feeling good the whole three times. I didn't need alcohol, uh, drinking anymore or smoking or any of that, so I still smoked and drank probably. I don't even know if I did that. Uh, I, didn't, I don't know what I did. I know drugs went away. I didn't need that anymore. And something changed on the inside. Uh, I, circumcision, spiritual circumcision occurred. I didn't know that happened. I just got adopted by God. I didn't know that happened. And I got sanctified, and I didn't know that happened. I didn't understand exactly what God was doing. So there's a spiritual realm. That's why Jesus, I think he said that uh, I and the Father are one. So when he came to the earth, Christ is six parts. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, uh, body, soul, and spirit. He's all man and all God in the same thing, in the same body. Brethren, we are, when you get saved, you become something a whole lot more than what this planet, you could ever be on this planet. You now become a child of the king, a son of God. You're, you're right there with him, and you're walking his planet. And that's why he says you could, you could say, sick in mind tree, come up. I'd love to do that. Just before I die, just say, you know, tulip tree or, or cherry tree. Get plucked up, plant it in the next yard over, and just watch the thing go over and do that. Uh, I'd, I'd like the chance to walk on water. But you know what? I'll, I'll never get to do that. But doing the electronic thing? I've watched him sometimes, man, do some of the weirdest stuff. You know, I'd walk up and do stuff, and, and 25 other people would do it. And, I mean, the whole, my whole career was that way. And I would do something, and it would start working. And people say, what did you do? I said, I just did this and this and this. They said, well, we did all that. They never did that. I said, well, that's what I did, and it worked. <laughs> and all you could do is give it to God. But, but he, he does miracles in your life. But I got sanctified at that moment. Uh, and I, I tell you what, all that stuff occurred, and he goes, he goes, but ye are washed, you are sanctified, 
ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So at your salvation, these things happen, and you were separated from your body, and your spirit and soul are over here back alive again, and your spirit's a little baby spirit, and you don't have the knowledge of God, and that's where Paul was. But God looks at the desire when something happens. He's looking at the desire of your heart. And he's going to say, what is the desire of your heart? And it is something that we need to look at completely because uh, he, he will give you what you want sometimes. Well, good or bad, he'll give it to you. And uh, when I laid on that bed that night in my rack, I can take you right to the ship. I can take you right to the rack. I can tell you right where my head was laying about midway in that rack. And he says, I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. And I said, whoa, 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 back that thing up. I said, now I know I got your attention. I hear you. I got your attention. And if I get your attention, we're going to talk about this thing. I said, I said, Lord, I said, if you give me what I want, it could be the wrong thing. I said, so the only thing I can say is give me what you want me to have. If that's what you want me to have, if you want me to have something, whatever that is that you think I need to change me, to get me more like you. Now, see the desire? The desire is for him, not for me. I don't care about me. I care about him. Because my actions can destroy what he's doing and cause somebody else pain and agony. I don't want that. I said, okay, you show me what to do, and I'll do that thing. And then he, he reiterated, just like Gideon, the second time he came back, I'm going to give you desires of your heart. I said, okay. But I, I knew exactly what he was talking about. I had no idea where it was coming from or who it was or what it was. But I knew what he was talking about, and I started planning for it. Here's the next thing. If he tells you to do something, are you going to start doing something with what he told you? I, th I, I thank God all you guys go to Bible college. Are you going to do, if he tells you something, reveals something to you, are you preparing for it? I like somebody, who was that the other day? Uh, what was that they said? They asked, they asked a guy to pray for him, and he, he goes, are you going to do this? If you, he said, oh, yeah, about the ship. The ship was floating closer to the, to the shoreline, and the, the natives are sitting there looking at you know, all these steak dinners coming at them. And, and they come up and say, hey, we know that you got away with God. Can you pray and ask the Lord for some wind? He goes, are you going to drop the sails? If you're not going to drop sails, don't ask me to pray for wind. Well, you know, the, if you, the driving the captain looks like an idiot in front of his people, if he drops the sails, there's no wind. First of all, I don't think you're an idiot at all. If you're out in the middle of doldrums and there's no wind blowing, I'm going to have the sails dropped. And I don't care because at any moment when wind pops up, I'm out of here. Uh, so I'm going to wait for that chance to happen. But why the sails were even up doesn't make no sense to me. But they were up. And he said, you're going to drop the sails. Well, if the Lord tells you you're asking the Lord for something and you don't do it, Ezra, I, I'm, he goes, the king's done give me all the gold back that they done took. He's given me all the chalices and all the utensils and everything that they took out of that temple 70 years early, earlier. They had that stuff separated out. They knew exactly where that stuff was. They gave it back to Ezra. They said, we know that you're God because, man, we've watched Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We watched all the stuff that's happened in the last 70 years. Nebuchadnezzar told us, Nebuchadnezzar told us this, this, this. Uh, all of them, Cyrus, Cyrus got it. I mean, all these people got it. And they sit him back and he says, can I ask them to give me an army to get me there? Do we not have a God? Ezra said, how can we go, how can I ask him? So you know what he does? He prays. Prayer is a key. Prayer, prayer opens up the door to God. God shows you something. Then you got to respond to what he just showed you. And if you don't respond, then nothing happens. He, said, he says, and I'll, I'll mention it Sunday night, he, over in Revelation, it, the book is just like that, man. He said, I would, would you be cold or hot? He said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. I said, he wants you hot, 
Even if you're messed up, he wants you hot. Paul was hot. He was just messed up. God can do something with that. You know what cold people are usually? They're people who used to be hot and they got all messed up and now they're all mad at something. And they're sitting over here belly aching like Jeremiah until the Lord says, I can make them hot again. Get them back over here. But uh, somebody in the middle, they just sit there. And God can't do a thing with them. You can't do anything because they won't move off that, that threshold. Well, I got, I got sanctified. I got sanctified. Let me get back to this thing or else we'll never get through it. I'd love to get through this tonight. I really would. So we're, I'm sanctified. Uh, 19. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. And such were some of you, verse 11. And you are washed, but you are justified uh, in the, by the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's sanctification part of day. That happens the day you get saved. Now go to 1 Thessalonians 4. Now you're going to catch this, the second part of what Paul. Paul just talks from time to time. It's good to talk about what you believe. 1 Thessalonians 4. 4 1. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk. Now, this is where you were at earlier with your question. I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to walk through this world. Watch this. And to please God. Is that your desire? Okay. So ye would abound more and more. For ye know what the commandments, uh, what the commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That's a daily thing. So guess what? You should abstain from, somebody says, I had a guy that was talking to me the other day, and he goes, well, there ain't nothing wrong with smoking or drinking. He goes, I'm saved. He goes, I hate these preachers, man, that say if you don't have your shirt buttoned all the way up. He said, you're going to hell. I said, okay. I said, that's a pretty shallow preacher, but yeah, that's pretty cool. I said, uh, yeah, and, and maybe if you don't have your button all the way up, uh, you're, you're lost and you're going to hell. Because if you're lost, you're going to hell. It doesn't really matter. And we went on. I said, I said but brother, I said, I said, are you saved? And he goes, yeah, I am. I said, uh, I said, I could show you the verses. I am not going to do it right now. I said, you can. He said, and he'll go, he'll go, well, the Bible says, give a little wine for thy often infirmity. I said, you're sick, right? Infirmity's sake. And it, it tells you over here, if you're depressed, I mean, have anybody ever been depressed? It says you go out, give, them, give somebody something to pray. Give them some alcohol and get them drunk, man. Make them feel better. You say, okay, that's good. But then I'll take you to a couple other verses where it says it's not for a king to drink. And, it's, and over, he says, in Revelation, he said, I made you kings and priests. So he goes, Mike, you're not, you're not what you used to be. You're, you have grown past this. In the beginning, yeah, you can. I got a drunken driving ticket in 1984 uh, in Napa Valley drinking wine. And I wasn't even drunk. I was, I was tipsy. I would I give him that. I was tipsy. I knew everything I did. He tried everything in the whole wide world to give me a ticket. Couldn't do it. He had, the, what he finally got me on was quoting, a, uh, I want to see somebody do this. Quote the alphabet backwards. I, I mean, okay, I'm from Kentucky to start with, so then I, I did learn the alphabet, but I never learned it backwards. I never even been asked to say it back. I've been through all the ET schools and all the mathematics and electronics, and I can tear everything. Nobody's ever asked me to say the alphabet backwards. And he, this guy did it, and then he locks me up. But that was when I got all said and done, when I got out of that thing, I knew exactly what that was. That was the Lord doing that. He was locking me up to get me. You know, sometimes he has to put you somewhere and lock you down so you can't move to the left or the right, and you have to talk to him. And that's what he did for me that night. I was already sanctified. I got saved four years earlier. 
My problem was my walk had some issues going on, and the Lord was working those things out. There's called a daily sanctification. You have to, you have to be willing to examine yourselves when you have been in the faith. And then you got to look at the things. So just because something has tempted you in front, the question is, is, is God in that thing or is he not? And I don't care how strong the temptation is. you got to sit there and say, no, I'm not going to do it. So, so he says, furthermore, we beseech you, for this is the will of God. The will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. So it's not just fornication. That's just something he said. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So it's a, it's a daily thing. It isn't just a, a one-time thing. You know what the Nazarenes think? I got sanctified the day I got saved, so I don't ever sin no more. Well, that's true in the spirit and in the soul, not in the flesh. So what they've done is their teachers have taught them that I got saved the day I got saved. I was fully sanctified. You were right. That's true. That's a true statement. So I can go out and do whatever I want to do. I can drink, I can party, I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm okay. Well, you're going to go to heaven. I got you there. I'll, I'll be, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you put your trust in the blood that was shed at Calvary, and you got regenerated, and you got, you're going to heaven. I got that, man. I'm with you. But boy, when you get there, you're going to be awful sad when you get there, and you come to find out that you were taught totally wrong. Now, the next thing is the Lord's going to say, you were not taught wrong. You never wanted it. He goes, other people wanted it, and I moved... How can you take a dumb hillbilly from Kentucky, me, on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky, me, and get me to Dr. Ruckman day one? How can you do that, man? He goes, the only way I can do that is I got to get you out of Kentucky, I got to put you in a Navy base, and then I got to get you up here, and then I'll get you out to a place in Norfolk, Virginia for four years, because you're really still stupid. I'm going to get that Bible in your hand, and you're going to know King James Bible is the Word of God. So then you're going to look for a church that teaches the King James Bible is the Word of God. And it just so happens that the guy who helped me get back in my King James Bible was a, a PBI affiliate. And I mean, what's a PBI affiliate doing on a ship anyways? And, and Fritz, and you know what, Fritz? Fritz isn't doing too hot today. I wish he was. He's not in the right church. And, and he's, but God will use anything to get, he'll use an ass to get you back where you need to be. If, if you'll listen to it. I mean, and, I mean, take a donkey, man. I mean, the vocal cords of a donkey really isn't what we have. God had to change that whole donkey right at the moment, man. Poof, and the donkey starts talking. It's amazing. You ever read your Bible, man, and read some of these stories? These are cool. I mean, to me, they, I just marvel at this stuff because I know one day I'm going to meet him. I get to meet him who does that stuff. And it, just, it marvels me that he does it. Uh, I did this with electronics. That's what I did. People, they couldn't understand me because I'd see that stuff work. And I'm like, that is cool, man. I said, how did you do that? And I used to take transistors and resistors and, and just w twist time together and stuff. And I'd make circuits laying on a table. And I'd get it to do all kinds of people. So how did you do it? I said, it's easy, man. I said, it's, it's a mathematical formula, and you're doing this, doing this, and all I wanted to do is this. I just wanted to do something, so I, I do all this to make it do that. He said, don't you, I said, don't you see that? And they look at me like, no, I don't. You know what God does? He says, I want it to do this, and so I do all this other stuff like this to get it to do that. And I'm like, that is just, it just mar I just marvel at it, man. I, I still do to this day. I can't get over it. Uh, and I can't get over this. When I, when I realize the separation here, and I'm not going to spend a lot more time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this. I might hit glorification if I can. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2.9, 2.19, 2 Timothy 2.19. Any questions up to this point? None? Did you all understand what I'm saying? Okay, cool. See, this daily sanctification, nobody likes this part. This is the part that you have something to do with. 
And it's like, we don't like that, man, because I got to start bringing in the check. I got to bring in the check everything that I'm doing. I got to say, oh, God. Uh, that's all I do all day long is bring my whole life into check. 219. I still haven't got it there yet. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, so there's a seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some, uh, some to honor and some to dishonor. So God's got them all around. If a man therefore purge himself, so here's our part. We don't like this part. You got to get some stuff out so some other stuff can come in. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Fully also useful lesson he goes on. And so a lot of people say, well, you say I can't do this, I can't. I didn't say any of that. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm just telling you, you got to get to the Lord. The Lord will start saying, really, you need to let this go. And then you need to let that go, and then you let that go. And over the years, you let stuff go. And, and one day you find yourself on the road to Damascus, knocked down. I bet you Paul was thinking about some of that stuff prior to Damascus. I mean, he probably sit there at Stephen's feet watching him get stoned. And he goes, man, he's talking to somebody. Who in the world? He's talking to somebody. How does, he, how does he talk to him? Who's he talking? Stephen is, I mean, he's getting all beat up with rocks. And it's like he doesn't even care. He's talking to somebody that isn't there. I mean, Paul was probably looking at this stuff, man, thinking, Jesus Christ on the cross. I bet you Paul was standing there at the cross. If Paul was who I think he was, and he was as his, his pedigree says he was, uh, when they hung him on the cross, I would, not, I would seriously doubt, I wouldn't doubt, that Paul was not in that crowd watching Jesus Christ die. And he says, Father, forget, and he goes, who's, who's he talking to up there? <laughs> He's talking to somebody. I, I, I don't have that. I don't have that. I'm, I'm doing the law, but I don't have that. I don't have that. Well, on the road to Damascus, he gets knocked down, and that, that, that comes right in front of him. I say, hey, Paul, it's kind of hard to kick. It's almost like they already had some type of, of, of relationship going on. He goes, Paul's kind of hard to kick against bricks, isn't it, old buddy, old pal? And Paul goes, yeah, it sure is, man. Lord said, Lord, who art thou? It's, it's me, Jesus. Oh, man, I knew it was you. So, some things got to go. And he told Ananias that some things got to go. And I said, don't you know what? He, the Lord don't care about your past. The past is done away with in Jesus Christ. What he cares about is your future. You know what Paul did? Paul, Paul I mentioned that to somebody today. I said sometimes, and I mentioned it last night, I think sometimes God gives us stuff in our lives so we can come to a place where it is, it is within arm's reach. There it is right there. You can have it. But if you get that, this is what's going to, okay, Lord, don't want it. Don't want it. I'd rather follow you and just take that thing and just follow you and just take that. I'd rather have that because it's better. And if I just shut up and let you guide and direct me, what you do is you're putting sin out of your life. You're trying to. There's enough sin on our, in our lives causing us problems no matter what you do. Uh, it's, a, it's a struggle. It's a battle. It's just a battle every day. Uh, but he says, uh, if a man therefore purges, prepared unto every good work, sanctified, honored, sanctified. So there's a daily sanctification. Go back to Romans 12.1. Romans 12, 1. Man, man, oh man, oh man. 
And you've, you've probably heard this verse a thousand million times. Uh, but then when you start placing it where Paul is talking, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So you know what you're doing? That's a daily sanctification. You've got to go through your life and say, okay, this has to go, this has to go. I love my mom to death. I really do. Uh, and I've told, I've told her. I've told Beth. I've told everybody else. Uh, at this point, I've, I've preached to her for 40 years, and if she dies and goes to hell, it, it's not going to affect me one bit. Uh, I, I am free from the blood of my mom. I mean, I have done everything under the sun. You can ask my wife, everything under the sun to get her saved. Uh, if she wants to cling to the Catholic Church, cling to it. Uh, cling to it. Just hold on to it. Let, let you die and go right to hell. I don't care. Uh, my brothers, my sisters, I didn't care one thing about them. I mean, you want to reject my Lord and Savior, I'm done with you, man. I really don't care. Now, Lord, if you put them back in my life, I'll be the first one to sit down and witness to them and tell them about Jesus Christ. My older sister hated her gut. She threw me through the front picture window of our house when I was a kid. Uh, she always hated me. Linda just beat me up all the time. Uh, I don't know why I let her beat me up. I was bigger than her. Uh, but she did, and she was just she was ruthless, man. And I drove from Norfolk, Virginia to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, she lived out in Litchfield, which is about another hour and a half, two hours out. And uh, my mom, which irritates me to no end anyways, uh, kept irritating me like she always does. You need to go ahead and talk to Linda. I don't want to talk to Linda, but basically I don't want to talk to you. I'm only here because the Bible says honor your mother and father, and that's it. I drove 12 hours to see you, and I'm going back. And that's all I cared about. I got 12 hours to drive back to go to work. She convinced me after a while. It really wasn't her. It was the Lord. Uh, he said, Mike, you need to go out there and talk to your sister. And I, I went out there, drove the two hours out there, got out there late. I spent about 4 o'clock in the morning talking to her and her husband and her kids. And she had been in, a, in her uh, strawberry patch all day long praying that I would come out there and talk to her. Now, what are you going to do with that? Okay, so you can hate anybody you want to hate all day long. Uh, but when the Lord steps in and says, you need to go tell these people, then go tell them. And have grace and mercy on them like the Lord had grace and mercy on you. And you only learn that in time. You don't learn that. There's no possible way you can learn that overnight. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your, body should be, you should, your life should be a sacrifice to God. You're sacrificing it to the Lord. Okay, Lord, it, I know i know I got to lose something in this life. I know I'm going to lose something. But who really stinking cares anyways? When you stop and think about it, eternity is quite a long time. I, I don't know if you've ever like, added up how long eternity actually is. But it's, it's, it is for a little, like a little while longer than your life. And you'll never come back from there. This is, once you leave here and go there, it's like you're there like forever. And forever never stops. So if I'm going to start day one, I really, I'd like to go in like, yeah, I'm here, man. I mean, I don't want to walk in like, oh, no, it's heaven. That's what I think some people are going to do. Oh, God, it's heaven, man. I, I hear these idiots all the time. They go, oh, man, I, I don't want to go to heaven. And who was that I was talking to? It was just the other day. Oh, it was you, your friend at, church, at, at work that uh, said, is there, is there any other way out of heaven or hell? Is, is there, can he just like annihilate me? I mean, the guy wanted to get annihilated. I'm like, first of all, why would you want to get annihilated? The possibility of, is our lack of understanding of what God is uh, so minus, m m minute that, that we would rather get annihilated 
for eternity than to do right. Brother, do you see how bad people are? Our mindsets are, uh, the devil's got us. He's just got us. We're just wicked, man. That's why you sanctify yourself daily. You purge this stuff out so you can keep your mind. You say, oh, Mike, you're a crazy nut. Of course I am. Don't wake me up. I'm still having a dream. I'm having a great one, man. Uh, I, I look at it sometimes like, Lord, you know, I could have went out and made millions of dollars. That's easy. That's chump change. Money's easy. I, I can see easy way to make money. I'm like, but, but why? What's it? It's a point when a man wants to die, but after this is judgment. If I'm going to die and I'm going to leave everything here, why would I want to leave it? You know, I've watched people who get stuff left to them usually turn out bad. Almost all the time. I mean, a couple times turns out okay, but most they don't know what to do. They, they never knew what it took to get that money, so they don't know what to do with it once they got it. And they'll just use it up and spend it, and, and then that's it. So anyways, he says, and be not conformed. Look at verse 2. We, we've read this thing, and preachers preach this thing, and they never get to the sanctification part. This is part of me. This is part of my life. This is part of what I did. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul says, I die daily. Well, what he's saying is I have to let go of some of these things daily. Uh, again, I said this the other day. I'll say it again. When Paul died, when Jesus died, he was at a, at a cross by himself, hung between two thieves. Uh, everybody had already left him and, and went away from him. When Paul died, he was in a prison cell in, in Rome, and only Luke was with him to be his physician uh, to help him out there. Uh, James was beheaded. Uh, John the Baptist was in a prison cell and had his head cut off. Uh, Peter, they say, was hung upside down, if that's true. Down through time, when you start looking, uh, the, the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the further. Now, I'm not saying not to be a jerk. You don't have to be a jerk. All you have to do is get closer to Jesus Christ. That's all you have to do. I mean, really get closer to Jesus Christ. The world is naturally going to want to get away from you. But there are some. Just like I said the other day when we went out to the, uh, the other day to the hospital, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to uh, John Napier, and, and uh, I, I take 10 tracks. You say, well, it's just 10 tracks. You're a preacher. You ought to have 1,000. I've sit on the streets of Barcelona. I left a ship one time. I, I did that a bunch of times. I left a ship with my army jacket on, and I had nothing but tracks stacked in every pocket, man, and wads of 100. And I sit on the street corner in Barcelona, Spain, where everybody else is out partying, and I'm just sitting there passing tracks in all by myself. You know, Lord, I think, watches that stuff. What do you do when you're all by yourself? He's just watching. I'm passing the tracks up. Miserable. I should be at home in Norfolk, Virginia, with everybody having fun. I could be down on Virginia Beach passing these things out, having a great time with my friends. Lord says, well, aren't you with me? I said, well, but Lord, you know, it's like, my, yeah, but what about me and you? Isn't that more important than that? At that point, I don't know if I, and then that girl walks by, and she talks to me for a couple minutes, and she walks away, and all of a sudden I realize, I said, hey, Lord, this is, this is once-in-a-lifetime opportunity here. I said, I, I have one moment of time, and then I heard somebody say, talk about a second. You can never buy that second back. It's the most valuable thing in the universe. A second of your life is more valuable. So, so we give it to our employers like it's absolutely nothing. I've done it. I've done it. I've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Uh, and, and what I realized a long time ago is that if I'm going to do a job, I need to love that job. And if I get to a place where I don't love that job, I need to leave that job and go find me another job that I can love. Uh, I love doing this. this is, I, I bellyache all the time. You'll hear me. And I don't do it to gain anything or to lose anything. I just like, Lord, you gave me something to do and I just want to do it the best you can. Well, it gets back to desire. What is your desire? He says, be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed. This is my part. And irregardless of what anybody says, if your walk and your relationship with Jesus Christ is not dependent on anybody else, it's dependent on you or me. It's on mine, my walk. If you want that walk, you don't have to. I said last night about a job. Uh, uh, Sam Gipp wrote that letter, and he wrote just a note in his letter. And he was talking about those two men who went to Bible college together, both graduated. One was less of a student than another. Another was better than a student. And he was a greater student. And, and either one of them, could, it could, the roles could have been reversed. This guy could have went into ministry, and that guy could have went in business. And this guy laughing at him because he went in business. But he did what the Lord told him to do, and that's what he did. And this guy's laughing at him. This is the wrong guy. No matter which, which side that guy was on, that attitude is the wrong attitude. Making fun of somebody else that's doing the will of God. The will of God is different than each, for each one of us. There's no way I could do what some of you do. There's no way you could do what I do. There's just no way you could do it because God did not prepare you to do that. that you're looking at a whole life here, a guy that's 65 years old. You're looking at a kid that was 10 years old, 9 years old, 8 years old, that God was doing stuff in my life. Back then, I didn't even know he was doing it, but he's getting me to where I was at just like he was you. You might not think this, but at five years old, he was working in your life. As a matter of fact, don't go away. Stay right where you are. Ah, man, I'm over. A minute over. You can fire me. 138. Psalm 139. And then I'll shut up right here, I promise. I'm a liar. I know it. Psalm 139. If you don't think God loves you, uh, you need to stop and think about that thing all over again. Psalm 30, 139, verse 1. Oh, Lord, that's David. David, you want to you learn some things about David? I'm going to talk to you David Sunday night. Oh, Lord, that has searched me and know me, that known my down cities and my uprisings, that understands my thoughts afar off. You can't get away from it. I've said this before. You can't get away from it. You can't hide. If you think you can go sneak something and do something you want to sneak, forget it. I, I, people say, well, I had, oh, there's a young lady in our church, and her dad told her that, that I know some things about Mike. I'm like, bring him on, man. Bring him on. I said, I've already told the Lord everything anyway, so what are you going to possibly do? I had a lady one time come up to me, and she used to be a member of the church. She got all mad at me and left. But she said, I heard this about you. I said, yep, that's pretty much that's true. She goes, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't deny. I said, look, I told the Lord a long time ago. I said, Lord, I said, you know everything about me. I said, there's nothing I can hide from you if I wanted to, and I'm not going to hide nothing from you. Now, I'm not going to go out and blurt everything out. But if somebody comes up and asks me, I'm not going to lie. I said, I'm not going to lie. I said, I'm going to tell them the truth. If you know it, who cares? If you know it and you love me, I don't care. Thou compassed my, verse 3, thou compassed my path and my lying down and acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a, this is David talking. This is a lost man talking. It's a man that isn't saved like you and I are. For there is not a word in my tongue, but oh, but lo, oh Lord, thou knowest it all together. So anything you want to say, you think you want to say, you might want to say, you're going to get mad and say, yeah, he already knows what you're going to say anyways. Uh, it says, Thou hast beset me behind, so he's behind me, and before, he's before me, and laid that hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot. It is. When you stop and think about it, when you stop and think about him, every move you make, he knows. Every thought you think, he knows. Every single thing that's going to happen to you 10 years from now, he knows. <laughs> And he knows every decision you're going to make. And he's already got it. Whither shall I go? Verse 7. Whither shall I? See, this is a man right here who's got down the road a little ways, and he's, he stopped and gave it up. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from my presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. 
I can't get away from you no matter what I do. He says, I take the wings of the morning. I had a guy. I, I told you about Daniel Fredell. I mean, I, it's just an amazing thing. I get. Daniel's running for me. He's running for me in the Navy. He's, he's hiding because he's backslidden like a dog. And that's okay. He can be backslidden. You can be backslidden. If you want to be backslidden, go for it. I mean, what's the chances in the, in the world of knowing somebody in Norfolk, Virginia? You're in two different battle groups. You pull into a port in, in uh, Rota, Spain. I think it was in Rota. And I look over, and the USS Nassau is sitting there. I said, oh, that's Daniel's ship, man. And I said, Daniel's over. But, but there's like 1,500, 2,000 people on that ship. And, and there's 1,000 on mine. That's 3,000 people. What's the odds of me, like, finding him really any, unless I go over there to the quarterdeck and say, hey, is Daniel Fredell here? And I get off my ship. I said, hey, I think I'll go get me a soda or something downtown. And I get off my ship and go down the end of the pier. And at the same exact time, Daniel gets off his ship over there on the other side of the ship, and he goes down the pier. Now, I don't know where Daniel was going. I'm going out in town. So I take a right. He takes a left. And right in the middle of that pier, man, we're like face to face. And he about swallows his tongue. I said, Daniel, how you doing? Blah, blah. That guy got right, man. And, and you know, how are you going to get away from God? He'll stick somebody in your face just as fast as, I mean, you can't do it. It just can't be done. It can't be done. If I take the wings in the morning, verse 9. He goes, if I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as day. There's no difference to him. It's the exact same thing. We sit there and see one. He doesn't see that. He sees right through the whole thing. Uh, and darkness and light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed, this is David talking, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. He starts from the time you're born, he knows exactly what every human is going to do for eternity. He knows whether you're going to heaven or hell, not his choice, yours. <coughs> he lays everything out. He doesn't, he's not required. He's not required to tell anybody they're going to hell. If he already knows they're never going to accept it, then it's done. It's done. It's their choice. It's their free will. He is not under any obligation. But boy, I tell you, if he sees the slightest inclination in a person's life, and he already knows it's going to be there, he just downloads that thing. We sometimes think, well, God don't care one thing about me. For you even to say that God don't think nothing about you tells you that, you, that God thinks something about you because you wouldn't even think about him if, if he didn't think about you. And he, you're sitting there in a bellyaching boat. He don't care about me. Well, you wouldn't even say that if you, would, if you didn't think he was there. If he didn't put that in your mind to say that. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to shut up. I get, this thing gets, it gets crazier and crazier, man. I mean, he is, it's just insane. He goes, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, verse 14. And that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the Lord's parts of the earth. Now, I'll tell you, there's some things I don't understand. Uh, I know he's, he talks about when the matrix opens, talking about a woman having a baby. There is some things that he talks about that bring something from another dimension into this world. And he knows exactly what that is. That soul that he gave is so precious that he monitors every single one that comes into this world. And he watches us all the way through life. And he's willing at any given time to do whatever he, whatever he wants to do. Well, he may never make me a Dr. Ruttman or a Peter or a, a Billy Graham or <laughs> I'm just like a moron. <laughs> just, I'm, like, I'm like, Lord, I mean, I've, I've loved this. This has been the greatest trip in my life. I've, never, I've had some times in my life that 
that, uh, I mean, going to ETA school, I thought I'd I, get to heaven ask him. I thought I was the stupid one out of 5,000 people. I thought I was it. I'm the dummy. I'm the one. I mean, all these other people, these little stinking Einstein's man with the mathematical. You hear me read, I still have problems reading. There's, there's things I still don't get uh, uh, subtly. Every time I see a B, I want to say subtly. And the B is silent. I, I, but I, I'm like, why can't I remember that stuff? Why can't I get that stuff? Because I'm an idiot. And the Lord says, yeah, but watch this, man. He goes, you'll be number one here. You'll be number one there. And they'll, 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 they'll try to figure out, how did that idiot do that? And, they, and, and you'll just smoke them. And you'll smoke them. And, and the Lord gives you that little thing right here. And that's what he did to David. David's no different than us. I mean, you're no different than David. You're no different than Moses. You're no different than Samuel. Or, it's, it's all desire. All those men had a desire, and those ladies. How about Rahab the harlot, man? I love that story. And Ruth the Moabitess. I mean, they just, she had a desire to be where God was at. Okay, if you're going to come in and wipe out, hey, I mean, here's Jericho. You're going to wipe this place out? I don't want to. Okay, I want to be on your side. And the Lord says, okay, I'm going to send two guys. If Jericho was two million people, these two guys went right to her house. How did they find her trusting the Lord with all their heart, leaning on the understanding, always in the but that verse hadn't been written yet. But it doesn't matter. God already, the, the, the process is already there. She wanted God. He sent somebody to her. I've read mission stories. Them, them stinking natives out there, man, they eat people. I, one guy said it's just a waste, man, to go out and have a war and let them, <laughs> let them lay out there and dead. We eat them. I mean, it's meat, 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 protein. And uh, can't speak. And a, and a missionary goes over and learns the language. Uh, dedicated, does whatever. And then years later finds out that those people... We're praying the best they could that somebody come and show them who the God is, who God is. And, and God sends them somebody. And they get saved. And, and I'm, brother, I'm telling you what, the Lord knows everything about us. So, sanctification part A. I'm lost and undone, thanks to Eve and Adam. Adam and Eve. 4,000 years, Jesus Christ comes in the world, and he makes a, a way for me to get to heaven. 2,000 years later, I find a Bible, start understanding that thing. Get knowledge and education and understanding a little bit here and there, and I finally come to the conclusion one day I'm lost. He shows me that I need to trust Jesus Christ. I do. I get sanctified right there for eternity. But then from that day to today, that's been 43 years, maybe 42 in some months, there has been, if anybody in here is truthful, there has been some things that just didn't go too well in those years of your life after you got saved. So what is that? That's because I need to sanctify myself and bring it under the blood. That's where when, now go to John chapter, I lied to you guys, I'm sorry. First John chapter 1. There, there, it's a process, it's just a process is all it is. You got processes, everybody likes processes. John chapter 1, 10 verses, and I promise you I will be done. That which was from the beginning, verse 1, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. So, so they're talking about Jesus Christ here. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life. So it has to be shown unto us, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have, heard, we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things, and here's the key to this whole passage, and these things write we unto you that your 
joy might be full, not your salvation, not that you get saved, that your, your joy. So if you ever lose your joy, that means that something in your daily walk isn't exactly where it should be. And you need to correct that thing. It isn't that you're going to hell. Now, this is where prayer comes in. People will say, oh, I messed up again. Uh, and, and you'll go right back to thinking I'm almost got to get saved again or I got to work this thing out again. And you're way, way past that. What you get to do is get it under the blood. Go on, much That your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Psalm 139. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. He did not say that if you are perfect and holy and pure and clean, then he will accept you and you can walk with him. He did not say that. He said, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, well, I could be a total wreck and a mess and say, Lord, oh God, have you ever met somebody that just has something they can't let go of? And it's just something that's always getting them down. And they're sitting there crying. But that's not darkness. They're not in darkness. They know exactly what the problem is. They just can't overcome the thing. The Lord hadn't given victory for whatever. We lie and do not the truth, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Fellowship. See that word fellowship there? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's your daily sanctification. It says, if we confess, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, then you're not walking in the light. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So there is eternal sanctification the day I got saved, and that, that I get, along with everything else in here, I get all that redemption, re, uh, all the justification, the whole thing. It's, a, it's a package deal. I get it. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. My soul, is, my soul and spirit are tied together, sealed into the day of redemption, Ephesians. But I got a flesh that I got to learn how to live with the rest of my life. Boy, it'd be really nice if the day you got saved, he just took you home. Right then and there. Poof, you're gone. But no, he, for some reason, he leaves us here. And then, then he shows you the condition of everybody else. And, and I tell you what, you'll have people out there who say, well, you need to go out there and do this. No, you need to do what the Lord tells you to do. I've had people tell me, well, you didn't. well first of all, if we didn't do this church, you would not be sitting here tonight. Okay? People say, oh, you don't need to do that. Well, then try to do this without a building. Oh, you can't. Well, then, but you don't need one. Of course you don't need one. But the Lord provides, so how can he bring somebody else into the, he added to the church daily as he's seen fit. How could he do that if the church ain't there? So Paul ordained all these people all the way around to start churches in all these local areas. And people come and say, well, this is what you ought to do. No, you know what, if you know exactly what the Lord told you to do, that's all you need to do. And you'll have that fellowship, and then, and then as that life comes through, and just remember that everybody's not going to get what we got. They they, they're, they're going to argue with what we, they want to argue and fuss, fine, fine, argue, do whatever you want to do. I already know what I'm doing, and this is what I'm going to do, and if you want to do that, fine. See how it works out judgment seat. Any questions? I'll shut up right there. I told you I'd shut up, but I lied. <laughs>